You can turn with me to 1 Samuel 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30, and we're going to be looking at this passage, at least most of the chapter. And I have my homiletics teacher sitting up here on stage with me, so I better preach correctly. (laughs) Thought about pulling out an old sermon I preached in homiletics, and thought maybe that'd be good enough, you know. If it worked the first time, it'd work the second, so... No, this isn't from homiletics class per se, but I definitely have learned things that I still apply. So pay attention in your classes. Don't just sleep or pretend like you're sleeping. 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to give a little bit of context here. We don't have the time to read all of the the context here in this passage, but David is... Dismissed from the Philistine camp, King Achish has found favor with David and the Israelite men that were with him, but the princes of the Philistines, for whatever reason, did not like David and his men. So he was asked to leave by the Philistines, and so he comes home to his home in Ziklag, only to find it ransacked by the Amalekites. And not only was the city burned down, but... All the inhabitants that were there of the city, of course, the, the men, the majority of men were gone to war. So the women, the children were all taken captives. Not one of them was killed, but they were all taken captive. So David comes back being dismissed from the Philistine camp to come back to Ziklag to find his house burned down and his wife and his fam- his wives, I should say, and his uh, family captured, and the city ransacked. And you can imagine David was at a pretty low point and discouraged at that point to find just bad news after bad news. Have you ever felt like that? You ever felt like one thing happens and it discourages you only to turn around and find another thing that's discouraging? And you just sometimes you just feel like Everything's going against you. God doesn't care. Somehow God has turned his attention away from you and you feel like bad thing after bad thing is happening in your life. And humanly, you feel like, well, this is the point where I just throw in the towel. I'm not going to deny that God exists, but I just don't feel like living by faith is really worth it. Sometimes you feel that way. Even though it's hard for us to admit as Christians, as Bible college students, to admit that I'm discouraged and everything seems to be going wrong, is it okay that I admit that I feel discouraged? That I feel like everything is caving in around me? Well, we're going to look at this passage here in in 1 Samuel 30, and we're going to look at some things that David did, three things in particular that David did, that all of us ought to do when we find ourselves overwhelmed by the circumstances. I know you're in the nine-week block now, and you can feel, along with everything else that you got going on in your life, you can feel overwhelmed by the circumstances. But, as we'll see in this passage, it's not the circumstances that ought to dictate how we respond or what we respond with, it is our relationship 
with the Lord. So first of all, I want to direct your attention to verse number 6. So I gave you a little bit of background. The first five verses there of 1 Samuel 30 talk about David returning back to Ziklag to find it ransacked, pillaged, and his wives, his children taken captive. And now, what is he supposed to do? Verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. That's the first point that I want to make and the first action step we need to take when we find ourselves overwhelmed by the circumstances. David encouraged himself in the Lord. David didn't become more discouraged. I'm sure he was discouraged humanly. I'm sure he didn't have the mental capacity to figure out all that God was doing. And neither do we. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. It doesn't exactly say how David did this. As we read the rest of the chapter, we can kind of pick up on some clues, but the word encouraged there literally means to gain strength, to strengthen oneself. I'm sure at that point, David felt very weak, maybe not militarily, but very weak personally and emotionally. He felt weak like Is God against me? Am I doing the wrong thing? What am I supposed to do? But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Perhaps he remembered back to his battle against Goliath. And he remembered how he fought the lion and the bear with his hands. And he remembered time after time how God delivered him from Saul. Perhaps This is what David was going through in his mind when it says he encouraged himself in the Lord, remembering that God is faithful. There's been times in my life where I felt like I didn't have the answer, where I felt like I was going to die, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Perhaps he reflected on God's character. He knew God was faithful. He knew God was just. He knew God was all-powerful, all-knowing. And sometimes when our minds are about ready to explode because everything's going wrong and we're frustrated and we're emotionally worked up, it's good for us to stop and reflect on the character of God. Maybe read the Psalms, read some passage, read Bible verses that you've gone to before that remind you that God's character is faithful, that God does know what's going on, And also that we are required to live by faith and not by sight. Those are also things that David possibly was considering here as he encouraged himself in the Lord. I don't know how much time he took, but it's clear that David's first step was to go to God. Encourage himself in the Lord. As you get frustrated with your schoolwork or the amount of things you have to do, just Encourage yourself in the Lord. God can give you joy in the midst of heart-wrenching circumstances such as David experienced. And none of us are going through any of those things. Which reminds me, ironically, this passage geographically took place right where the Gaza Strip is. And most of you have probably heard about the attack on Israel 
uh, from the, the Palestinians. And all of this is happening in the same geographic location. The Jewish people have been in turmoil. People have been trying to wipe them out since their inception. And that has driven them many, many times to their knees. And we're praying that that happens in 2023 as well, that God uses, uses this to drive them to their knees to recognize who their Savior really is. It's awful. I watched uh, some of a video last night about from actual footage from things that were going on there, and I just had to turn it off. You know, people just being hacked in the streets, and it's just, it's horrible. But as I was studying this, the Lord gave me this passage even before that attack took place. And I was thinking, wow, that's ironic in a way that this is happening still, in a way, in 2023. But anyways, David encouraged himself in the Lord, what has God done in your life that you can stop and say, Despite all the circumstances that I'm in right now, what has God done in my life in the past? How has God used me in the past when I feel useless to God right now? You know, that's how the devil works. He likes to make you feel useless, like you can't do anything. The world's caving in, just give it up. And I'm sure David had that temptation when he saw bad thing after bad thing after bad thing happen in his life. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. And he didn't allow the circumstances that he was in to dictate how he responded to them. And that's a very difficult thing to do. It's easy for us to just get caught up in our circumstances. And that's all we become focused on. We forget that life is not just about physical decisions we make. It's about our spiritual relationship with God. And that dictates the physical events that we find ourselves in. So David encouraged himself in the Lord. And David's encouragement in the Lord led him to inquire of the Lord. Look at verse 7. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. Now the ephod was a a piece of... uh, I guess you could say garment. It was part of the, the priest's garment that was used for finding direction, consulting, kind of like the Urim and the Thummim of the priest's garment to, to find out what does the Lord want me to do. It wasn't a good luck charm. It wasn't like rubbing a rabbit's foot or anything. You know, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about this was God's means of communicating and giving revelation to his people because they didn't have the completed scripture. So David was not going to consult spirits. He wasn't trying to, you know, rub something to get a good luck charm. He was going to find God's direction in this decision that he had to make. What was he going to do in this situation? Nowadays, we have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. He is the mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. When we're saved, it's not, it doesn't just mean we're, we're out of hell. It just means that we now have a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit helps bear those infirmities with groanings that we cannot utter. 
So we have God working in our heart. We have what David didn't have. He had to go to the high priest and he had to inquire of God through this ephod. But we have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. How much more when we find ourselves in, in these circumstances of life that all of us, though they may be different, we find ourselves questioning, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? I have these ministry opportunities and they both seem like good options. How am I supposed to know to choose this one and not this one? How am I supposed to know what God wants me to do? Well, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, not only for the forgiveness of our sins, but for an ongoing relationship. He wants us to know his will. And that really is what prayer is about. It's not about getting the the arm of God to move in our favor. Prayer is about aligning our will with God's. Prayer is not about, God, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. Prayer is about, God, what do you want me to do? And when we pray, we're essentially saying, God, I want you to reveal your will for me. And if it doesn't pan out the way that I'm expecting it or that I want it to pan out, then I'm okay with that because I didn't come to you expecting you to change course to my will. I came to you expecting me to change course to your will. That's what prayer is about. That's when when we say David inquired of the Lord, he was going to find God's will. And he found it. He sought God's will, and he found it. There's an illustration of uh, seeking God's will and using God in his omniscience to work things out uh, for good. In the summer of 1876, grasshoppers nearly destroyed all the crops in the state of Minnesota. So in the spring of 1877, farmers were worried that the dreadful plague would once again visit them and again destroy the rich wheat crop and bringing ruin to thousands of people and their livelihood. The situation was so serious that Governor John S. Pillsbury proclaimed April 26th as a day of prayer and fasting. Imagine that happening, a governor today declaring a day of prayer and fasting for God to answer this dire request. He urged every man, woman, and child to ask God to prevent the terrible scourge. On that April day, all schools, shops, stores, and offices were closed. There was a reverent, quiet hush over all the state. The next day dawned bright and clear, and temperatures soared to what they ordinarily were in midsummer. This was in April in Minnesota. Minnesotans were devastated as they discovered billions of grasshopper larvae wiggling to life. And for three days, that heat persisted, and the larvae hatched, and it appeared that before long, the grasshoppers would again destroy the crops and feed on them, and it would all be lost. But on the fourth day, the temperature dropped suddenly, and that night, frost covered the entire state. And you know what happened? All the larvae died. Now for those three days, I'm sure the Minnesotans were thinking, what use is this? But on that fourth day, 
God sent a frost when there were unusually high temperatures, and he sent a frost. Now, I don't know all the ways of God, but it appears that God was acting in response to people showing that we need to come before God and ask God to cure this situation. Nowadays, it would probably be claimed a climate crisis, a climate change crisis. You know, the, the excruciating heat is because you're not driving a Tesla, you know, and you need to get a, a Tesla. Well, you know, something like that. They always find a way to spin it, whereas, you know, God has nothing to do with the equation. God has nothing to do with what's going on with the weather, what's going on in your life. We can figure this out mentally. There's got to be a natural solution for a natural problem, right? But that's not how it works. The events that happen in our life are not just purely physical or natural. God has a hand in everything that's happening in your life. There are natural events, but God can use natural events, and you can still live by faith while participating in natural events and the affairs of your life. You know, balancing your checkbook, stuff like that, driving your car. God can give you safety. All these things are are natural, normal events that happen, but we cannot isolate them entirely from what's happening spiritually in our lives. And I think that's a great example of how we, on a corporate level or on an individual level, can stop and say, we need to take time to pray. Inquire of the Lord. What does God want us to do as a student body? What does God want me to do? With my life. You know, at this stage in your life, a lot of you are wondering, who am I going to marry? What am I going to do with my life? Is what I'm training for right now going to be how God uses me specifically in the future? You know, what if God seems to redirect my path? Not out of the, the limits of the Bible, but you know, maybe I have this idea for what God wants me to do and my skill set and my gifting, but 10 years from now, God might have you be doing something different than what you thought sitting right here in chapel you were going to be doing 10 years from now. Does that shake your whole world? Does that mean God made a mistake or you made a mistake? No. It just means we walk by faith and not by sight. Inquire of the Lord that's a daily exercise, not just when we're in a crisis moment like David was here. I'd say he was in a crisis moment. We definitely need to go to God in the crisis moments, but we need to go to God every day. Every, every decision that we're faced with, we need to inquire of the Lord and say, God, what do you want me to do? Is my will aligned with your will? I remember shortly after, well, while I was in seminary, I was helping a church and Mineral Point, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, which is down in the southwest corner of the state. And it was a small church. They didn't have a pastor, so I was essentially just kind of filling in the pulpit there. And I thought, man, I'm a kind of a greenhorn here. I'm right out of seminary. I don't really know what I'm doing as far as leading a church. You know, you hear about it in, in chapel and in, in classes about, you know, leading a church and all that. But it's a little bit different sometimes because every situation is a little bit different. And I remember at times thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing here. You know, when problems came up and here I was trying, I wasn't even married at the time, and I was trying to navigate 
you know, following the Lord and leading a church. And I was 25, 26 years old. And I thought, man, I don't know what I'm doing at times. You know, it's more than just getting up and having a message prepared to preach to the people. That's the easy part. You know, the dealing with the other issues is more oftentimes the hard part. But I remember the Lord using that in my life to just get on my knees at times and just say, Lord, I need your wisdom. I need to know what you want me to do. Do we need to go forward? What needs to happen here? And that was a real-life situation where I couldn't just, you know, fly by the seat of my pants. You had to know what does God want me to do. And I could give many illustrations of that, but I tell you what, it was encouraging when there was a lady that came in, for, one of the ladies in the church had invited her and known her through some events in the town, and she was actually from Peru. And um, right near where the Cotvis's ministry was, actually. And um, she came in with her son, and the Lord had been working in her life. And one Sunday morning after I preached, she and her son both got saved. And I remember at a small church like that, I'm talking 10, 12 people. You, you don't know how that lifted my spirit. You know, you, you get up there and preach, and it feels like, uh, is anything going to happen here? Am I doing anything for God? Is anything eternal, lasting, you know, happening here? And I just remember thinking, wow, that is, that's kind of what ministry is all about. That makes it all worthwhile. All the, the heartache and all the, uh, you know, so, so-called trials that you have to go through to see somebody get saved and they start coming to church and they start growing And that happened in other situations as well. And it's like, wow, God just does what he knows is best and what you need to be encouraged in the Lord when we seek him and we're following him and following his plan for our life. You get to be a part of those miraculous things that happen. So David, first of all, encouraged himself in the Lord. And by encouraging himself in the Lord, he inquired of the Lord. But when he inquired of the Lord, he thirdly exercised faith. See, it's one thing when we inquire of the Lord and God seems to be leading us a direction and then we cower back and say, well, I I wasn't expecting God to have me do that. But when when we inquire of the Lord... We ought to be ready to exercise faith. Well, how did David exercise faith? Well, he acted upon what God had told him when he inquired of the Lord. Verse 9 of 1 Samuel 30 says, So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. Now, I, could, I didn't read verse 8, but go back to verse 8 with me. When David inquired of the Lord, here's what God told him. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him. Here's God's response. Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So God told him, Go after these Amalekites. Go after them because you're going to restore everything that they took. 
Now, there's problems with that because David, humanly, he didn't know where they were. He had just come back and discovered that the whole city of Ziklag was pillaged. But he didn't know where the Amalekites were. But God said, pursue. Kind of reminds me of Abraham. When God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees, the Ur of the Chaldees was not some um, you know, great spiritual hotbed. <laughs> you know, Ur of the Chaldees was polytheistic. They were idol worshipers. God called Abraham out of that into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. And Abraham obeyed, not knowing whither he went. Abraham obeyed. God told him to go, and Abraham went. Now, God doesn't always tell us to go with no direction, but sometimes we humanly don't know all the, all the answers. We like to have it all worked out, right? Most of you are like that. If you're going to do something, you want to know how it's all going to play out, and that's good stewardship, but sometimes living by faith, we don't know how it's all going to work out. And then when it doesn't work out how we thought it was going to work out, then we think, oh no, God's not in this. But that's not always the case. God just might be trying to teach you to rely on him, step by step. So David exercised faith. He acted upon what God said, and that is the essence of faith, is action. It's not just saying, I believe. It is acting upon what God tells you. David could have sat there and said, well, I don't know where the Amalekites are. How am I supposed to pursue? I don't know where the Amalekites are. Well, whatever direction he ended up going to the brook of uh, Bezor, if you pick up in verse 11 with me, they're fleeing after these Amalekites. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat. And they made him drink water. So here along their way pursuing the Amalekites, they stumble across this Egyptian who's basically there left for dead. Verse 12. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. So he's basically dead. If you don't drink water for three days, that's almost the limit that the human body can handle. So here he is next to dead. And they give him water. They give him food to drink. They kind of revive him. And David said unto him, verse 13, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me because three days agone I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites, and upon the coast, which belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. So here David has an eyewitness, an actual servant to the Amalekites who pillaged Ziklag that was left for dead. And he's probably sitting there thinking, these are my last hours. But David, because he obeyed God and exercised faith, pursued after the Amalekites, didn't know exactly where they were. But God, in answer to David's prayer, because he inquired of the Lord, left that Egyptian who was there for dead to be the answer, at least part of it, to David's prayer. Which way should I go? 
Should I pursue the Amalekites? And there is an Egyptian left for dead. I'm sure that Amalekite master who left him there for dead never thought that he would be the one to reveal where the Amalekites were to David. But there, you know, God has a way of working things out that man didn't ever think of before. And there, left for dead, that Egyptian becomes the answer to God's prayer. But if David would have said, well, I'm not going until God shows me where the Amalekites are. This never would have happened. Which reminds us that walking by faith requires us to act upon what God shows us. Don't sit there and wait till God, till you have everything figured out humanly. That's relying upon your mental capabilities. We do need to exercise good stewardship and not do foolish things. But just think if David would have sat there and wondered, where am I supposed to go now? Well, he pursued and God left that almost dead Egyptian servant there to be the answer to his prayer. Now, verse 15, And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. So there he is. He's restored to strength. And now he's become the answer to David's prayer to show him where are the Amalekites that God told me to pursue after and destroy and promise that I'm going to recover everything that they took. It was that Egyptian left for dead in the field. Now, sometimes, you know, I don't know how God is going to answer all the prayers in your life. I'm not God. But sometimes we have to wait. Remember that illustration I gave of the grasshoppers? For three days, the heat persisted. But on the fourth day, the frost came. Sometimes we cut God short thinking, okay, God didn't answer my prayer. Something must be wrong here. I got to figure this out. And then we stop walking by faith before God has intended to give us the answer that we've been looking for. So David didn't wait for his circumstances to change. He acted upon what God said, and anybody can wait for circumstances to change, but it takes someone living by faith and trusting God to move forward and act upon God's leading. And that's where he encountered his unexpected answer to prayer. And I'm sure you could think of examples in your life of times where you were inquiring to God for something, maybe something simple like buying a car. You know, maybe you thought, oh, this is the car, it's a good price, it's what I've been looking for. For whatever reason, God closes the door. And you say, what? I thought that was God's will. You know, now I'm discouraged. Oh, I'm just going to go out and buy a car. You know, rather than realizing, well, maybe God had a different car that he's leading you to, and that was one of the doors he closed so that you keep going to what he wants you to, the, the car he wants you to buy. You know, that's just an illustration, but you could apply that to myriads of different, myriads of different ways in your life. How are we walking by faith? Are we waiting till we figure everything out? Or are we acting upon what God has said? How God is leading us through godly authority, through his word, 
through the circumstances of life, or are we allowing the circumstances to dictate whether we feel discouraged or encouraged? And then David saw God answer and fulfill his promise. Look at verse 18. So verses 16 and 17, uh, they came upon the Amalekites where this Egyptian servant had told them they were. David fought them in verse 18. David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. If we jump back to the beginning where David was leaving the Philistine camp, his own men were talking about stoning him because they were discouraged and they were frustrated. And he comes to find Ziklag destroyed, his wives, the children, all their wives and children carried away by the Amalekites. And David could have there just thrown in the towel and said, How do I recover from this? But instead, he encouraged himself in the Lord. He inquired of the Lord and he exercised faith so that we read verses 18 and 19, what God had promised, God had fulfilled. You think after that, David was encouraged knowing that God had said exactly what he was going to do. And that's how it works. We live from faith to faith. When we see God answer prayer and we see miraculous things happen by following God, it encourages us. God knows what he's doing. God can be trusted. But I think a lot of Christians fall short of really discovering all that God can do with their life because for one reason or another, the circumstances don't make sense. And so they think, well, I'm leaving this church. They think, well, my marriage just isn't working out. The only possible solution is divorce. And you could go down the list of things where people stop living by faith and instead divert. And what do they have? Their life is ruined. They're more discouraged. But I think this is a passage that gives us an example of how When all the circumstances in your life could be going against you, God is still in control. And listen for what God wants you to do so that you, like David, not only encourage yourself in the Lord, but be encouraged after that answer to your prayer has been answered. And you can move on. And God can continue to lead you to the next decision that God wants you to make. I hope that Each of you, as you reflect on your life, you know, all of you are walking by faith or living to some degree a life of faith. God is doing something in your life, some sort of leading in your life. And you have the opportunity to respond by faith like David, or you have the opportunity to get discouraged, to walk backwards, to say, I'm not doing this, I'm, I'm just going to go out and make money. You know, that's a whole lot easier in life to do than trying to win souls and minister to people and follow God and know his will. But let me encourage you today that God has an answer for every circumstance that you're in. 
And God can direct you. God can guide you if you follow him and act upon what he tells you.